Hello. Oh, hi, Merlin. Good morning, Dan. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you doing? Oh, woof. It's yeah. the optimistic day. There's a hmm. lot, lot, lot of infrastructure going on here. Yeah, it sounds like you've been working hard over there. I got a lot going on. What's going I got, on? I got, a, I got a new chest freezer. I got a new audio configuration and a different new audio configuration. I'm dealing with modems. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm exploring a new cooler. Uh, there's a lot going on right now. The, this morning has been all about the uh, internet infrastructure. So what have you what have you done? This is fascinating stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll make this quick. You hope? Uh, yeah. Last night, for, out of nowhere, my internet died. I did all the rain dance. I checked all the places. Did all the diagnostics, and uh, it appeared that I was the only person that was having the problem, which makes me think it's my connection. Oh you know, yeah, my yeah. my house something is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, that was confirmed this morning when my beloved surfboard wouldn't even power on. Uh, so long story short, I got my old surfboard, hooked that up, and the very fine folks at Comcast helped me reprovision it so that my daughter can Zoom and uh, my wife can Zoom and I can Zoom and, uh, you know, we're, we're consumers. <laughs> That was stupid. Uh, no, but, it was really uh, good. Yeah. It was really good. And then, so you were, you, you were kind enough to push this uh, back half an hour, and I used that time to make a coffee and buy yet another Aris surfboard modem. Oh, you, so you went out and grabbed the new one, and, and are, is that what you're going through right now? Uh, well, I just about three minutes ago ordered it. They, I think either they're not making the SB8200 anymore or it's just widely not available. So I bit the bullet and got the taller one that does Wi-Fi. And I checked, mm. you can turn the Wi-Fi off. Yeah, I got to be because, able to do that. Because, you know, per our sponsor that we have today, I'm a pretty big fan of the Wi-Fi that I make. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, this stuff is inscrutable. Oh, and then on top of it all, more infrastructure. I'll have a topic, a very short Minai, mini topic today, but like... Minai topic? <laughs> yeah, because John Syracuse doesn't like the way I say mini. He says I say mini. There are many things to talk about. Almost like many? It's almost like many. You know how a lot of people like to say, oh, this, this and such person is my, is my best friend, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I like to say that John Syracuse is my worst friend. He's, oh. he's one of my best friends, but he's clearly also my worst friend. He needles me. Mm-hmm. I think he's trying to improve the world that way through, through you. He is. He claims that he's sharpening me like a knife. And then after he says that, he says, do you understand what that means and who the knife is and who the sharpener is? Mm-hmm. And I say, I think so, but why don't you tell me what I got wrong? That way, the knife will be sharpened further. Wow. Cough button. Uh, <laughs> hey, Dan, how's it going, buddy? <laughs> it's going Woo! okay. It's all right, you know? Yeah. Do you like that when I contact you and I have to talk about a time, do you like that I localize it for your time? I hope you say yes. I, I do. I do. Um, but it always, I always have to realize that you're doing it because no one else does that. Well, especially, I, especially say, not Pacific time people. Well, I think the problem is the people on, uh, Syracuse daylight time title they're, you know, they're the real <laughs> monsters. Cause, cause if I was saying to my lady this morning, uh, I was mentioning this phenomenon of how I have learned since moving out of Syracuse uh, daylight time, I've learned that, the East Coast has no idea that there are other time zones. And so if I 
you know, in my, uh, you know, uh, like, like I say on Snowpiercer, you know, be the shoe. Like, I know I'm the shoe. I know what my job is. So I contact somebody on Syracuse time and I say, can I talk to you at, uh, I call, uh, to contact them at 8.15 a.m. my time. And I say, hey, can we talk at 8.30? They're probably going to say, you mean tonight? Because there's no <laughs> other time zone. Now, the people right. on Mountain Time, they're very <laughs> humble. And they really fly mostly under the radar. And no, no, are. Mountain Times, though, I disagree with you. I couldn't possibly disagree with you more. Mountain, you the people they're, in, they're weirdos and hippies? What do you, what's they're the, the worst, worst Whoa. kind of people. The worst kind of people are Mountain Time people. Tell because me more about that. I didn't, they, I didn't know that. They think that they're better than everybody else. That's the problem with them. It's And, and you know what? The stupid thing is they kind of are, and we know it, but they don't, when you're like, if... If you're hanging out with your friends, let's just you say mean, you had you a say better. You mean like they're more woke about time? Let me walk you through this, please. So let's say that uh, you just you just came you just won the lottery and came into a small or a reasonable fortune, right? Mm, when yeah. you meet when you meet your friends for lunch, you're not going to roll in there and like bling it out. You're going to be humble about it. You're going to yeah, I won the like you know what. Guys, let me grab, I'll grab lunch today. It's, you know, like what you're you humble. You go you're up, humble. You go up to the host, hostess or the maitre d' or the whatever, mm-hmm. and you say, here's my card. Right, I'll prepay. Don't even bring the bill to the table. Right. And then you just don't make a big deal about it. You don't and make a big just, deal out of it. And you shake your head a little bit and you go, come on, we're good. Because in your, in, in your heart, you know that you may have come into this windfall of money, but you're no better than these friends that you're having lunch with. That's where it, that's no, I mean, the problem. You got, you got, you got lucky. You just got lucky. That's the whole thing with mountain time hmm. is it is better. They don't have to do, they don't, I, I think there's a lot of places in mountain time where they don't even do the daylight savings uh, time at all. Like in, in Arizona, they don't even do that. They're, they're mavericks. They smoke a lot of weed and they wear cowboy hats. A lot of them have, have guns. I don't know if they're loaded, but, but you're, you, what I'm from hearing you say is that they're the black swans. P- pardon yeah, me. They, and uh, they the know it. Of, and the they, swans of color. Yeah. Okay. They th- walk around thinking that they're, all high and mighty and better up on their, you know, ivory towered throne up there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I just don't have patience for it anymore. I'm done with it now. If you want to be my friend then just be cool about the time zone thing, don't grandstand and showboat every chance you get about it. That's all I'm saying. So you say they're, they're big timing you. If, if so, if, if you were going to give a note to somebody that you nominally cared about, I don't know, Colorado, that's the state, right? If you're, if you're going to, if you're going to give them a note, Hey buddy, you know, I love you. And here's a way that you could be better. What, what would you say to, to the Colorado stonewalling me. big timer? Stonewalling They're me. Stonewalling you from their big iron throne. Yeah. Or excuse me, their ivory, ivory tower. Iron throne? throne and the ivy tower is where. Uh, ah, iron, uh, la, la, la. Yeah, up there. Jerks. Pacific time people are acutely aware that there are other time zones, but only Eastern time. And here in central time zone, we have to pay attention to our time zone and East coast and Pacific. And I think we have it hard. I think we have oh, the toughest job of saying. all. Yes. They say the three hardest things are naming and off by one errors. Mm. <laughs> mm. Dan, it's, it's Tuesday. It's the optimistic day. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten a lot of stuff done. Uh, and, uh, and, and now uh, we're here, you know, I made it through all of last year and I'm here. That's what they say in, in the musical company. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make it through this year if it kills me. Yeah, that's that. No, that's the Mountain Goats. They were not. They were not in company. You ever listen to the musical company? I'm no. I don't. I'm gonna say Someone no. Someone to sit in my chair. Someone to me, 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 me. Because because it's Morrissey, and he likes <laughs> to sing uh, the second interval. 
Dan, we got a lot to cover here, and I'm, I'm going to open. I'm going to spring this on you. We didn't talk about this. Okay. Uh, uh, Dan, you have started making uh, YouTube videos about the sort of stuff that you do and that I do. And I would like to, this is independent. You did not ask for this. Please tell people what it is, or as we say in the business, please plug it. Plug. Okay. Um, so yeah, I did. I started making videos again. I had made some a number of years ago and they did very well. Uh, in fact, some of them have like 150 to, to 200,000 views on them and they're old and they were out of date. And I thought, you know, I've got this really nice setup here to do video. Um, I might as well, you know, because there's a project that I've been working on that will, I'm not ready to talk about, but I thought, Maybe in the meantime, it would be kind of fun to just do some, you know, five, five to 10 minute videos, maybe a couple times a week and, uh, and, and share with the, the folks what we do and how it works and what I've learned, uh, over the years. And that's what I've been doing. So it's a, it's a, it's a, just a channel. I could put the channel in the show notes if you I already put want. it in there. Dan, oh my Dan, gosh. Dan, Dan Benjamin. And so far, you got you got three videos, and uh, I think Working I'm only featured in one of them. You are mentioned in at least one. There's a quick image of you in one, and that's of course okay, the best one. Yeah. Well, you put the photo out there. I used it I did without that. permission, yeah. and. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, but yeah, no. And, and so the one that I'm working on now is about the cloud lifter. Everybody keeps asking me about the cloud lifter and if they should get a cloud oh, lifter and what yeah. is a cloud lifter I've, and how does a cloud lifter work? I've two of them and never found a use for it. <laughs> well, I bought one. I've never once used one in all of this time. I've never used a cloud lifter and mm. I've never needed to use a cloud lifter, but there are so many people who say, Dan, I got the, uh, I got the audio interface that you recommended and I'm using the microphone that you recommended and the gain is too low. It's too low. And I had to get a yeah. cloud lifter. Why don't you tell people that you're really using one? <laughs> I've never used one, but I'll get one and I'll talk about it. So that's what the next you know what, episode Dan, is going to be. In, in your former life as the actual, <clears throat> as, uh, the actual Dan, Dan uh, Benjamin, you, you played an electric guitar, right? Yes, I still do. You get a guitar, you get a, you get a cable for it, quarter inch cable. You plug that into an amplifier, right? Right, sure. Now you can also choose to add to that signal chain uh, many different kinds of uh, effects or, you know, in my case, usually a pedal, right? Like you so say, you can have a rat pedal for distortion. You could get like a, like a, like a Roland uh, overdrive. You could get a digital delay. God love it. The one of those boxes you need the least and will abuse the most is a flanger. <clears throat> Almost nobody <laughs> needs a flanger. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it's the ultimate kind of Alton Brown stomp box. That's a great kind of my voices album. And I feel like the cloud lifter might be in a different way, analogous to a flanger because what it attempts to solve seems solvable by other better equipment. And is the cloud lifter, and there's no spoilers for your new video, your fourth video. Is it kind of a hack? How does it work? A cloud lifter is a device that goes in between your microphone and your preamp. And the cloud lifter, I guess it uses uh, what's called phantom power coming from your preamp to power itself. And it then in turn boosts the gain from what, what I guess they would call a low output microphone. It gives you about 25 extra decibels of noise-free 
amplification. That's what its goal is. So that mm-hmm. if you have a microphone like the one that I'm speaking through now, which is a Shure SM7B, or a similar microphone, maybe the Heil PR40 or the RE20 or another dynamic low gain or, or high, rather low output high gain mic, mm-hmm. then you're probably going to run into trouble if you plug it into a preamp and the, if the preamp doesn't have a lot of gain itself. And a lot of preamps will tap out in the 50s, in the 50 decibel range. And for like a Shure SM7B, <clears throat> pardon me, their minimum gain that they're going to need is probably going to be in the 50s. So basically you're getting almost no sound out of it. And that's a lot of people will say, oh, I've got the mic, this great mic, everyone uses this, sure, whatever. And they plug it into their preamp and they're like, I can't hear it and I'm super quiet and the people that I'm podcasting with can't hear me. And then when I have it in the final mix, my volume is the lowest of all of them. Why? And yeah. I, I'm not going to say that, that that's not the case for many preamps uh, with microphones like this. Um, for example, that I have the Universal Audio, uh, I used to have the Apollo and when I kind of downsized everything, I sold that and I got an Arrow. The Arrow has like two inputs in it and it has fantastic gain, really, really powerful gain. It'll drive any mic I've ever plugged into it. But I also have a Focusrite uh, Scarlett 2i2, which Ooh. if I plug the Shure into that, I have to max out the gain. I've got zero headroom left. And when you do that, when you max out the gain, there can it kind of increases the noise floor a little bit. So oh, the cloud cool. lifter, in theory, is supposed to address that by basically boosting the gain before it even gets into your preamp. And so that's what the video is going to be talking about. Well, if you'll allow it, and and, and here's the thing. I would like to be a Sherlock Holmes smartass who's not actually smart for a second here. And I, I'm going to be a little bit Sherlock Holmes about this. So, okay, here's the thing. What we're describing here is it's, we're, we're just, and, and you're, we're going to be a little bit Socratic here. Okay, mm-hmm, so play mm-hmm. along. So what we're talking about here is that your problem statement is you necessarily have a mic with an XLR. And so we're, so it's not a USB mic, right? Correct, this, correct, this, correct, this correct. Not, That's... Not, you can't put a USB mic through this. No. Why would you, right? No. Now say what you will about a USB mic. It's more part of the beauty of it. The reason I use a Rode podcaster for years and years is how just drop dead easy it is. You don't have to install anything. There's nothing to upgrade or patch ever. And they have their... Tw- so you you plug in your you you plug in your podcaster, and you get a real strong signal, and it's it's fine, and that's all there is to it. So, but just to clarify, we're not talking about a USB mic. We are talking about a mic that requires an XLR. Correct. Correct. Actually, actually, very important to mention that. Now, if you're if one is having problems with your XLR classic microphone, is it fair to say that that kind of mic that needs that boost or the phantom power is probably a nicer mic rather than a less costly mic. If you're Absolutely. a less costly mic, usually you plug it in and you could use a radio shack mic and it would work fine, correct? Correct. So we're talking about a good a good two, mic. Three, like if you're four hundred dollars and up. Yeah. If you're one of these people that just goes and grabs a, you know, some con- a non-USB condenser mic, just in that regular XLR condenser mic, you're not going to run into this trouble. You're not going to have this trouble. This is for someone who's using probably a dynamic mic, which is mm-hmm. what you should be using if you're broadcasting or podcasting. And uh, and then, you know, plugging that 
you know, nicer dynamic mic into an audio interface that isn't yes. what that I would call studio quality, uh, mm-hmm. like the universal audio stuff. This preamp here comes in at around 500 bucks versus the focus, right? I'll, I'll look, let me look these up. Cause I don't remember, but the, a lot of okay, people use the, the, the focus, continue, right? Continue the smart assery here. So I think we stipulated here, this is not about a USB mic. This is about an XLR mic. And it's probably about a pretty nice XLR mic. Now, leaving the cloud lifter out for a second, now you're going to plug that XLR into something. Right. You say a preamp or a DAW. In mm-hmm. my case, it's this USB Pre 2. So, but obviously it's not the USB Pre 2 because you wouldn't need the cloud lifter because it has phantom power. So what person with a high enough end mic to need the lift is putting it into a DAW that doesn't have phantom power. Well, you don't need the phantom power unless you're powering the cloud lifter or unless you have like a ribbon mic or something like almost no mics need phantom power in the dynamic space. Um, I just don't understand who it's for. It is, it is for somebody. Okay. So I'll I'll tell you exactly who it's for. Uh, The universal audio arrow Thunderbolt three audio interface. That's the one I just put in the show notes, 500 bucks. The Focusrite 2i2, 150 bucks. So <laughs> this is for somebody who either bought or already has the Focusrite or something along those lines. In other words, a uh, preamp that's in the like un- sub $300 range and you got a better mic or you have a better mic or you inherited a better mic or you upgraded to, you know, in other words, you now have a dynamic mic that needs more gain than the preamp that you already have or the one that you got to go with it can provide. And so mm. you could get... So there is a, you're saying there is a space in the market for this? Definitely is a space. Um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend someone do it because if you add it up, you know, you're paying $150 to $200 for your preamp and you're spending another $150 for, you know, for the cloud lifter. So you're already closer, but you could... In other words, a Focusrite 2i2 plus a cloud lifter is still cheaper and, 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 and good... And you're going to spend less money on that configuration than you would on the Universal Arrow Thunderbolt uh, 3 interface that that I'm using, talking through right now. But with something like the Arrow, you're getting all of their DSPs and other things that are built in. So you can put in custom amps, you can put DSing in, you can have live compression and all of these other wow. things that are just going to save you a lot of time. Wait, so you wait, never have do to do anything in with post. Hardware? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's software in the hardware there. It's basically amplifier emulation and things like that. The, the arrow is like you, the you're best not, you're not thing doing going. that in the, like I can, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. I apologize. I, I mean, I can add all the audio units and stuff on my Mac to a mm-hmm. stream using mm-hmm. sound source, for example. Yes. Um, and I can do some of that stuff with audio hijack, mm-hmm. but you're saying on the, the DAW, it has that stuff built in. Yeah, uh, and I mean, you so wow. many of the plugins you have to pay for them, uh, but they can completely one hundred percent emulate down to like scary accuracy the actual hardware um, that that they're modeled after, and that's what Universal Audio is all about is is modeling other hardware. So you can pick a preamp that's like the same preamp that was in that recording studio in nineteen eighty seven that you really liked, oh, and like that exists as software. The same way you and could like com- have an amp in a garage band or similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very similar to that. Yeah. Very similar to that. And also, there's just other things you can do, like compression and noise gating and everything else. So I have all that happening live right now in the Arrow. 
So what you're hearing right now, I don't do anything at all to my audio when I record this show with you, uh, or I do a little bit of EQ, um, but pretty mm-hmm. much that's it because now, but when I record through the focus, right, completely different story. I have to then in logic, I'm then applying all the plugins. I'm doing compression and noise gating and all that po- in post, yeah. whereas I'm doing it got essentially it, it, in pre, it. um, but if you have, like, if you already have a nice setup and you already have money invested in a preamp that you like, uh, and then you, you get a microphone where you find it needs more gain, I think that's the theory of the cloud lifter is you grab this thing for 150 bucks, you put it in between your microphone and the preamp, boom, you've got all the gain you could ever need. And it's really good gain. This is all going to be covered in Dan's, uh, Dan Benjamin's video, which, uh, is the very, I mean, the very first link in show notes, Dan, where would people find show notes for episode 492 of your back to work program? You can go to backtowork.limo slash 492 to 492. get it. 492. Okay. Charlie Babbitt. Squeezed and pulled and hurt my neck. Um, Did you watch it again so. recently? <laughs> Did you? Uh, I, I think, I think, no, I haven't. I just, I think, I think about that movie a lot. I think about it a lot too. Now, while we're on the topic of movies, may, may I interject? May I make a comment? May I ask a question? Yes. Uh, my son and I recently completed watching all of the last time I gave, I gave you an update. We had not finished it yet, but we have now finished all of the Mission Impossible movies, the Tom Cruise movies. And uh, the verdict is in. He says he liked six slightly better than four. Hmm. So we disagree on that. Uh, but what an amazing series of films. Highly recommended. Oh. Was looking for more yeah. films in this space. We've already watched all the Bourne movies. Um, oh, that was going to be my suggestion. So, so you're not, <clears throat> if you've shown your kid Wolverine, I feel like <laughs> you're not going to be super squicked out by a little bit of, uh, you know, spy thriller violence. No, no, spy thriller violence is fine. And and he's, he's uh, my, my boy has always just been very dismissive of that, not in a way that he's like desensitized to it, but it doesn't, mm-hmm. like it doesn't disturb him um well, he, he knows it's watching not law real. and order i can't believe how grisly oh god <laughs> unbelievable that in like the early 90s you just see a bunch of kids who got shot and there was blood everywhere oh, that's like, horrible and i was like ah i made this noise i went ah, ah, ah. And emma went like what what was the big deal it's just tv and i was like yeah and that was 10 o'clock on nbc that's pretty wild oh man well, so All we, right. we, we so started for uh, mission missions, impossible, uh, follow up. I know there's like the Jack Reacher films or film, which we might do. Um, you know, Henry Cavill's awesome and he's great in mission impossible six. And so I was Ooh. talking to the, to my son and he, and I said, you know, I said, he's actually in like another spy movie himself, the man from uncle, but I've never seen that. So we got that and I just, we both kind of, tu- I hate to say this, we both kind of tuned out like halfway through. And when it what, came what time, is it? the man from Uncle, I think it's, um, yeah, uh, it's a remake of the old TV show. Yeah. Right? And it was not, it, we just didn't enjoy it. And we kind of just, mm. we got to that point where we're like done watching for the evening. And the next day he's like, yeah, well, what else could we watch? It's not that. And I said, oh, no, we'll, we'll, we'll watch another horrifically grisly movie, uh, called extraction on Netflix, which I've seen before. And, um, if, if you're sensitive to violence and shooting and things, don't watch that film uh, ever Good to know. Good to know. But I, again, should I be showing it to my 12 year old? I, yes, I should. But 
I have a question for you in the audience. In addition to my first question, which is what other good spy franchises should we be watching? Uh, and yes, we're working up toward James Bond. That's coming soon. But can I show him Memento? The Nolan film Memento? I Is that okay think, to do? I think so. I'm trying to think. You got Guy Pierce, you got Joey Pants. It I'm trying I honestly I remember loving it before I, loved I even it. knew the name Christopher Nolan. I you know, and there's the Christopher Nolan thing where like once you know this, you can't unsee it. The first shot of every Christopher Nolan movie, it, it, I don't say it's a clue because it's not really a clue, but a, the very first shot in every movie is very important to the rest of the movie. In a way that like it's basically in some ways, you could almost say like it's the whole movie in one shot and you just don't know why that is. And I love that. I'm trying to remember, I tried to show it to my kid and it's the kind of movie where you can't really watch TikTok while it's on. You need to really get what's happening. That's a very good question. I, I think people should respond and say, uh, do they think it's uh, you know, eh, appropriate? What's appropriate? In the, in the, amidst these challenging times? In this economy? In mm -hmm. these shoes? Don't tell me from appropriate. Uh, people should, uh, should, should uh, Twitter at you. I, my gut is it's probably okay. My, my, my longstanding advice, as you know, is that, uh, you know, the, the parent should, if there's any question, really, the parent should watch it again first. But yeah, I think he could, if he can handle Wolverine, he can handle that, I imagine. Look at my lists here. So I have two lists that I'm looking at here. One of them is a list I made in March at the beginning of the aftertimes called Weird Movies for Weirdos which I could post, but it's, it's a pretty normie dad list, but it's movies that uh, I think have a very strong point of view and all pretty much share, uh, they share, they share a quality of being the kind of thing where you're going to know very quickly whether this movie is for you. And I mean, the canonical example on this list for me is like Synecdoche, New York, where you are totally forgiven for not liking that movie, but it's one of my favorite movies, period. So I got a bunch of those, and then my other one is uh, M and Dad's Secret Movies list, which is the movies mm. we watch after Mom, Mom goes to bed. Mm -hmm. um, but one that pops out—it's not exactly what you're looking for, but it's got your boy in it. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow—has he seen that? He has seen Edge of Tomorrow and loves yeah. Edge of Tomorrow. Great one. So good, so good. Green Room—that's not a spy thriller. That's just uh, Captain Picard as a Nazi. <laughs> um, other ones from this list, Colossal, not really. Simple Favor, more of a kind of a mystery thriller, noir. Um, other ones, you saw Dunker. Oh, uh, Looper? That wouldn't count. Has he seen Looper? Um, you know, I thought about showing him Looper. I want to show him Looper, but there are some heavy sex scenes in it. And mm -hmm. um, interestingly, it speaks so much to uh, to America that... You know, have people like killing each other with, you know, AK-47s like that's fine. Have hundreds of people being blown away. But look, there's a boob. Don't let your kids see the boob. <laughs> the klaxon goes off. You know, like, OK, TV's off. Done for the day. You know, out of the room. Let's go. Yep, yep, um, yep, yep. You're going to spoil the child with boob. Right. Um, because, you know, no, no one except people on, in movies have boobs. I just wanted to let you know that. Mm. And, you, and, and your shit kids should never see right? one. You're saying the boobs, boobs were basically <laughs> created by like Louis B. Mayer? Yeah. Or Howard Hughes, let's be honest. You, know, you have Ian Holm come in with his calipers 
and then then he can go up and uh, he, he from a scientific way, he can go and use his calipers to measure Jane, Jane Russell's cleavage. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's a film you should watch called The Aviator. It's really good. Need <clears throat> to sleep. Dan, we got a lot more to cover here, but I wonder if there's any chance you uh, would like to tell me about something that you like. I would love to tell you all about feels. 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 Do you, Marilyn, do you experience stress? Yes. You know, I do too. Um, People also have anxiety and chronic pain and trouble sleeping. And you know what? That's basically everybody that I know right now, all of us pretty much. Um, and that kind of <laughs> sucks, but, oxygen? <laughs> yeah, but there's help. There's help for that. And one of the things that I've been using for a while for this kind of stuff is CBD and CBD. I think there's still a lot of people who are hearing about it that don't know what it is. And there's a lot of other people who do know what it is, but I'll, I'll tell you really quickly what it is. Basically this comes generally speaking uh, from the hemp plant, which is related to the cannabis plant, but it doesn't have the THC in it. So you don't get high from CBD, but you get a lot of the other benefits uh, that, that, that come from this kind of uh, this kind of plant. And basically what, what you're getting is you're getting something that helps you relax. And it does that generally speaking without, making you feel tired or weird. It just sort of alleviates or helps reduce the stress and the anxiety and the pain and also can help with insomnia and help, help you get a better night's sleep. All you have to do is place a few drops of feels under your tongue and you're going to feel the difference within just a few minutes, basically right away. Uh, but finding the right dose is really important because everybody's dose is different. So when you order feels, you're going to have to experiment over the course of like a week or so. You're going to start with a little and then increase it until you feel the results that you're looking for. But you're not going to get high and there's no hangover and you don't get addicted to it, which is really nice. And like I said, I've been using CBD for years, but I've completely switched over to feels now. They're really, really good. They do independent testing. So you know what you're getting. You know that the quality is there. And uh, I'm really, it helps me feel my best every day. I think it can help you too. The way it works. And I actually, I'm, I'm always a little leery, Merlin, about yeah. uh, signing up for something where you're going to get like a, a scheduled delivery. But for something like CBD, I have been in the situation where I've run out and I don't, I don't want to be in that situation. So they've solved that because they basically have a membership and it gets delivered to you, but you can pause it and you can cancel it at any time. And you're going to save money uh, when you order it that way. So this is what they're doing. If you go to feels and it's spelled F E A L S feels.com slash back to work, you will get 50% off your order. You'll get free shipping. And uh, when you become a member, you'll get, you'll get all of that. So again, it's feels.com slash back to work, become a member, get 50% automatically taken off your first order and free shipping. This is the CBD that I really, really like best. And this is what I'm using now. And my family is too. So go check it out. And thanks very much to Feels for making this show possible. Thanks, Feels. Buck, buck. I have uh, two very short bits of follow-up. Um, and they're both related to COVID. And they're both related to San Francisco. And one is encouraging news. And the other one is uh, a potentially terrible news. Um, first of all, I have put into show notes for this episode a link to um, something v- very cool on a couple levels. Because it's always a couple things with me. Um, the, my wife was not 
directly involved with this. It's a big school. But the university that my wife, uh, my wife works for is developing this very cool thing uh, involving COVID. So it's not a vaccine. It's not a cure. But it is a very, very interesting way to try and... I'm not a scientist or a scientician or a Scientologist, but it's a thing called Aeronabs. And it's there's a lot about this that I love. Um, you can check out this link. So Aeronabs promise powerful, inhalable protection against COVID-19. Um, so one thing I love about this, if, if for no other reason, go check out the video, the, this YouTube video, explaining how this is meant to work. I think it's a, it's a very useful um, demonstration of how the COVID virus works mm -hmm. by attaching to this receptor. It's, it's really cool. Very well done. Um, and I learned some stuff from it. Another thing I love, apart from the fact that this might help people, is that the team that did this, yeah, it includes some like big shot doctors, but like two of the people who led the team mm -hmm. are grad students. Really? Which I think is really cool. They're, yeah, they're UCSF grad students. And uh, I don't know. I just think that's really neat. They're like really, they're like young fellas who have come up with this. Um, and uh, I really, I really hope more of this kind of stuff happens. I'm proud of our, our local boys uh, made good. And uh, check, check out the YouTube video. Can this molecule provide protection from COVID-19? Um, and it is a question. I don't think that's a betteridge headline on purpose, but uh, so yeah, that's, that's encouraging. Yay. Is that, is that encourage? Oh, Grip it and rip it. <laughs> this is, that, is, is a, a uh, 365 brand lime sparkling water. Ooh, mm -hmm. Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. That's right, the bass. The whole bass. The whole foods. <laughs> the less encouraging thing, right on the heels of, uh, of this ongoing discussion we're having about uh, how the world is changing, how San Francisco is woof, not, not going great. This is an article from a few days ago, three days ago, in the San Francisco Chronicle by John King called... Bad things keep piling on. When is enough enough in the Bay Area? And it's pretty much what you expect. It's just, you know, it's just uh, this is why I consider this follow-up to mm -hmm. previous discussions. I think mm -hmm. we've had the discussion of like, hey, if you work for Facebook and you Facebook Google, seems like such a and, great place to work, really healthy environment and doing the right. It's nice. You know, you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, absolutely. I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. And the company I work for is like, they're, they're on board with that. Good. In the end, regardless of the language in which you code or the job in which you do, like, you know what, you're, you're, uh, you're using, you're applying, you know, uh, your skills to a, a terrific organization. Right. That's really, if, above all, I think it's protecting free speech, which is good. Yeah. That's what they're doing. Facebook, God bless them. It's a healing, they have a, they're a healing force for good in the world. I think that's a really good way to put it. Mm -hmm. If you work for one of those companies, and I think at least a couple of those companies, including Google, have said, hey, you know what? You don't need to come to the office until at least summer, next summer, you know, 2021. Mm -hmm. You're good. Like, stay at home. That's fine. But why do you move to San Francisco? You move to San Francisco because it's freaking San Francisco, right? But then what do you do? So let's say you're one of these Richie developer boys. You're, you're paying five grand a month for a one-bedroom apartment that you're not allowed to leave. You could be in a one-bedroom apartment in a lot of places for a lot less money. If you're going to be stuck inside, why be paying that premium? I hate to put it that bluntly. If you don't have roots here, if you don't have a kid in school, oh, by the way, my kid's school is a computer right now. Right. It's going to, this is This is San Francisco and New York and LA, I have to imagine. These are all, these are all 
places that are going to see fairly seismic shifts that are already beginning to show themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think this article does a nice job of, of bringing all the apocalypse together into an omnibus apocalypse package. Because we do, yeah, we got the COVID here. We're doing, we're doing real well as we can. We're doing better. That's good. Uh, we've got the collapsed economy, thousands of businesses <laughs> closing. Oh, yeah, all those businesses you moved to San Francisco to patronize, all the, like, juice places and coffee bars and shoe stores, like, of Hayes Valley. Like, yeah, well, sayonara, a lot of that's gone. Farallon just closed, which is huge. Um, and so you got that. That sucks. You've got, uh, you got, uh, oh, by the way, did I mention, did I mention the fires? There's fires raging. The fires are raging again. We got wildfires all, all over the place. The air quality is poop. And, uh, and then, and, and then, oh, the other, other good one is our infrastructure is falling apart. The electric grid is under huge. Oh, by the way, did I also mention the heat wave? <laughs> because we are getting into a, a super perfect storm of stuff right now. So it's all connected, like all of the great things. And so the grid for the uh, for electricity is being overwhelmed, especially in the afternoons and evenings, because of increased usage. I imagine much increased usage residentially right now. Oh yeah, like you remember how they had to rebalance the way internet was allocated, the pipes were allocated during COVID to like basically. I don't know. I don't know the details of this. I'm not. A network engineer, but they had to shunt a lot of the stuff that had been going to businesses into residences to keep up with capacity. It's hard to do that with electricity. So the, the electricity, by the way, did I also mention that it is the very electrical system by the wonderful Pacific Gas and Electric Company that causes a lot of fires. Oh, by the way, did I also mention a new phenomenon that I just learned about a week and a half ago called dry lightning? Dry, and dry lightning. lightning. Is Dry lightning is pretty wild, and it's causing even more of these fires. And the fires put pressure on, uh, obviously, all kinds of pressure on lots of things. But anyway, I just thought this was an interesting article, and I have to imagine there's going to be a lot more of these kinds of stories. And I, I'm, eh, I mean, I have mixed feelings about San Francisco, always have, but fancy San Francisco. But it's going to be a crazy time. Uh, oh, God, a, a wild stat I heard this month is that the year-over-year year increase in residential real estate on the market? Yeah. Year-over-year, year, 96%. Wow. Wow. That's a big, big deal. Uh, another very rare occurrence, because, you know, there's, there's this weird event that's kind of explainable, but also kind of weird, but also very San Francisco, which is that there is, there's not always a parity between, like, the increase or decrease in home sale um, versus increase and decrease in rent. Also, the rent stuff is harder to track because sometimes they're doing premiums to get people in in tough times. But in a, in a fairly odd occurrence, both availability uh, availability is up and prices down on houses to buy and apartments to rent, which is pretty unusual, especially mm -hmm. in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. It's wild. So anyway, that's that. Uh, stay safe. You know, watch that video and. Uh, don't move here. It's bad. How are you doing? You good? Well, you know, there's those two hurricanes headed for the same point in Florida right now. Have you seen so, that? Did oh, you know? Do you know about two that? I, okay, the, I, or one okay, is a hurricane so, and one is a tropical I feel storm. Like, uh, this is part of me that thinks this is like the the um, the thing about oh, guess what? An asteroid is going to pass close to Earth the day before Election Day, 2020. Am I right? 
It's a seven-foot asteroid that will be over 100,000 miles away. So <clears throat> really not quite the same thing as two hurricanes headed toward uh, Louisiana. But is it that? Because I, I is are they still both coming in a couple days of each other? Is that still happening? I thought it was. Yeah, last time I looked, it was. The Orlando Sentinel said it was. Um, mm, hurricane. Maybe it's changed. Maybe it has changed. No, no. I'm, I'm trying to become more... Critical, skeptical, canny, mm -hmm. incredulous, mm -hmm. evil, dysfunctional, mm -hmm. dyspeptic. No, about, you know, uh, let's see, updates. Laura to become dangerous major hurricane as it takes aim at Texas and Louisiana. Laura and Marco, is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. <laughs> remember they used to only name them after women. That was kind of weird. I don't remember that. Well, time was, uh, when I was coming up uh, and living in Florida, I, that was still the time when they were only ever named after women. Mm. And I, I don't know when that changed, but I think it's relatively recently. But, and, and so obviously this sucks. This is terrible. Uh, but to make it personal and selfish on our part, what's the exposure for Central and West coast of florida not not really much maybe some you know maybe some rain but it doesn't seem like it's going to be anything for them it's and even what happens in louisiana i don't think it's going to be going to be that, that that bad. place does not need more problems no they don't need any more problems they've they've suffered enough as my mom would say yeah yeah they've um, suffered enough <laughs> you want to do you it like you, it? you can it? go live with your father mm. And if you don't like it, you can go live with your father. <laughs> you and Little Mermaid can go. Never mind. That's not his <clears> life bit. It's outside Goodbye. of the okay. context of the uh, show. Oh, yep, 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 yep. Context. <laughs> context, Dan. Context is so important. What we need more than ever is context. Mm -hmm. It's a renewable resource. Mm -hmm. uh, I also wanted to share uh, something that will almost definitely be of use to no one except in so far as it might help the one person who was me up until yesterday. Okay. So this is weird, a little bit of edge case, but something to check out, be aware of, uh, because it was causing me crazy problems. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you, but for some time now, and, um, when I'm on Safari on my Mac, let's say I'm looking at <clears throat> a Google property, like Google search results, or I'm looking at Google News, where everything turns into an AMP, page amp amp is decadent and depraved and it should be declared malware they said a long time ago you could opt out of amp eventually they need to do that because amp is garbage do you know what i'm talking about yes i do amp is the worst thing in the whole world and i i hate it and it's I meant to be good and it's sold as this thing that's going to give you a faster experience so like if you want like the goodies from the google company you need to have your page compliant with something called amp which is a way to, it's presented as a way to speed up the experience for users because we all know that we've all heard the things about like what a, you know, millisecond delay on Amazon does to sales, whatever. But the truth is, like, especially, especially when I'm on my phone, it's wild. Like I click a link from Google, especially Google News, and it opens in a new window, whatever, fine. And the first thing I notice, there's a little, little, little ribbon at the top of the page. Right? You know what I'm talking about. Yes. And that's the little ribbon that kind of very quietly lets you know that you're on a special AMP version of that web page. And now here's two things that happen to me all the time, because it's always two things that are happening to me. Number mm -hmm. one is, it does stuff like when you scroll, it hijacks the share button. 
Like yes. you can't get to any of the Chrome, forgive my saying, that we use to be a person on the web and do things. Like that to me is, I can't believe Apple puts up with that. That is bananas to me. Uh, another one is that often as not, and this could be an iOS 14 thing, but lately I noticed that the first time I, the first time I click a share button, Instapaper don't want to work. I don't know what's happening. I get that sometimes on CNN pages, but then what you do, you go to the little ribbon at the top 50 times a day, you click on the little ribbon and then it shows you, oh, here's the actual URL if you want to see the actual page. Maddening. Mm -hmm. So I had this weird problem. That sucks. Um, where like I click a link and my, my habit is usually to command shift click to open it in a new tab in the background and then I go, you know, command shift, right bracket, right bracket, right bracket to go through the things I want to read. And it was taking a crazy long time, only on Safari, a crazy long time for stuff to load. Sometimes it would time out, especially links from Google and especially the website twitter.com. And it's been happening for months. It's been driving me crazy. So what do I do? I grab the URL, I hop over to Firefox. For whatever reason, it works fine in Firefox. But Firefox is my is my other browser. It's not my main browser. You with me so far? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to troubleshoot this. Yeah. I'm going through every dingling shovel blog page about ways, you know, is it plugged in? You know, those those very, very long, almost wiki how like shovel blog articles about how to speed up Safari. You can empty the cache, you can go to the debug menu and do this, and you can uh, basically purge the cache through the terminal. You could, you know, reset everything and all this kind of stuff. And I've been doing that on and off for months and nothing improved. And then a crazy thing happened, which was I had occasion to, sometimes sometimes uh, something's not working on the internet. I, I, I don't know if this is a good impulse or a smart impulse, but my impulse is to always go check. It can often be a, a DNS problem. Mm-hmm. So I go in and check and, and I'll change my DNS servers either on my airport or on my Mac frequently on my airport. And so I'll switch it, switch it to, uh, I usually have Cloudflare on, you know, 1.0.0.1. And then I'll try, I could have a default to the weird Comcast ones, or I could go, my other one usually is OpenDNS, which is pretty good. But I, I, lacking uh, any evidence that they're evil, the Cloudflare DNS, in my opinion, is really in the sweet spot for almost everybody, even if they don't know why. Mm Mm-hmm. What's your what's your chosen DNS? You know, I've tried. No, I, I've I've tried Open DNS. I've tried, you know, w- which was useful back when. We, remember when we were talking about how you can set yeah, up Open o- DNS used to be great because you could remember we made I made that page that yeah, came up, yeah, the, uh, and you could you can uh, filter out the porn and, right, and it's right. pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, that that was really nice. I used that for a while. I've tried the Google ones for a while, and you know, recently I've just fallen back to just using the regular old generic, just whatever my ISP provides type thing. Try, and try Cloudflare just for fun. All right, because you might. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, when you're looking at whether it's VPNs, you're looking at all these different kinds of things. It's it's a mixed bag because everybody's needs are different. But uh, something that something that everybody needs mm-hmm. is a, a fast reliable DNS server with terrific uptime that also does stuff like to the extent possible, tries to protect your privacy, at least in a sort of nominal way. Mm-hmm. Cloudflare does all of those. There's other ones that like, depending on where you live, if you go and read DNS server reviews, you'll get different results for different things. But 
Cloudflare is kind of a no-brainer. Point is, I, I have occasion to sometimes, I mean, do you think about your DNS servers every day? I do not. I only think about my DNS servers if something's acting weird. A DNS server, it is my understanding, is the thing that allows an IP address to be associated with a domain name. Is that mostly it? Yes. Or vice versa. I mean. Yeah, no, that's right. Okay. And if that's not working, your internet doesn't seem to work. There, there have been several times that I thought my home Comcast connection was just down, daddy, down, but it was actually just a DNS outage. Uh, and you can go and change these. You can change these on your Mac. You can change these on your uh, my, my router, in this case, uh, in an old airport. And then what happened? I forget why. I had occasion. I was like, hmm, I just want to go look. I, uh, I, I want to make sure that I'm still on Cloudflare. I know it's working on the airport, but just to be safe, I should go look in my network settings. And it wasn't. And on first glance, I thought, oh, that's weird. It like defaulted to the Comcast DNS. So I, I popped in uh, the Cloudflare servers, hit, hit save, went about my business. I noticed things were being slow again. Mm -hmm. And so I went back to my network settings, and guess what? The Cloudflare settings have been removed and replaced with what I thought was the Comcast ones. That's weird. I didn't do that. I wonder if it got overwritten by something else. That's odd. I went and I Googled the IP addresses of those DNS servers, Guess what? Those are the DNS servers for a service called Dynamic DNS. Dynamic DNS is a pretty neat thing that I used to have a huge use for, which was you take a domain name, and through their service, you are associating this particular computer, for example, with that domain name. So if you've got services running on a computer somewhere, you can associate it, like in your house, your office. You, you with me? You yeah, works, absolutely, right? yeah. And dynamic DNS, I mean, have you heard of them? They, were, they used to be the go-to for this. Yeah, DIN, DIN DNS, dynamic DNS, so you could set your... Yeah. Um, you, and, and a lot of routers, they were so popular that routers and so, even had built-in software that could automate, and right. probably still do, that could push your IP but up you, they, to they have a whole, like, they have a whole raft of different services. The most basic one being, you can have foo.com associated with this Mac. That's really mm -hmm. cool. Guess what? You can also add subdomains to it. That's really neat. So like, you know, back in the day, people would have a computer attached to a DSL connection with a DNS or a domain name hanging on it, and people could get to the computer in their dorm room through that domain name. I have not used that the, I don't, so I want to be careful how I phrase this. I stopped using that particular domain to do stuff a while back, but Dynamic Din DNS has mm -hmm. still been running that whole time. Oh, and right. guess what? Din DNS, and you can explain to me, this kind of makes sense, and yet to me it kind of doesn't make sense. If you're running Din DNS on your Mac, it will necessarily overwrite whatever your DNS server settings are and put its own in. And what I discovered was, if I change that to Cloudflare and hit save, everything gets way faster. Until really? it automatically overwrites that. Hmm. So I'll have just 30 seconds more on this in a second. But does that make sense? Tell, 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 me, tell me what you think about that. Do they need, I'm trying, I understand DNS is in the name of both of those things, but why do you suppose it needs to change the servers on my computer? It should not it need like to do that. that happening on their end. That should, not, that should not be happening. I have no idea why that would be happening. I mean, I'm a, I'm a dumb guy. And so like, I, because it has DNS in both of the names, I go, oh, well, it's a dynamic DNS service. So therefore, it changes my DNS. I mean, it to should me, that's not. Like McDonald's it, it, requiring it, me to live in a house that's shaped like a hamburger. There is no reason for that. Um, literally, there is 
truly no reason for that at all. Well, I I deleted. I know you're not supposed to use App Zapper. It's apparently considered harmful. Wait, wait, wait. I, I use that all the time. Why is it harmful? I use that thing like uh, I can't stop using. I'm obsessed with it. Okay, interesting. Well, that gives me a chance to also mention another thing. I wasn't going to mention this, but uh, what is this called? Uh, I just bought this. I got on the App Store and I upgraded Command Shift A. And this is... Okay, so one reason I got this was because I had these two enduring problems. I now have one enduring problem. Enduring problem number one um, is that <laughs> the web pages were loading really slowly. Problem number two, I still get constant beach balls in messages. Like just mousing over when nothing's happening, I get a beach ball, let alone when I'm trying to type. Um, but I got this thing called E-T-R-E, is it E-T-R-E-C-H? You might have seen this mentioned if you're somebody who spends time on the Apple fora, forums. Is, <laughs> you'll see this mentioned a lot. I'm going to pronounce it Etrecheck. E-T-R-E-C-H-E-C-K. And it's it's not dissimilar from stuff like Clean My Mac, I guess. Right. Or any of the, or maybe like a little, not Onyx precisely, but so imagine if you had the About This Mac, um, you clicked on that, mm -hmm. About This Mac, and you click on System Report. Like imagine that really tricked out. Yeah. It's not very pretty, but it's powerful but also with observations about what might be causing your problem. So it runs through all the stuff. It does the test, it does the speed, it looks at things, it looks at, it focuses very heavily, especially on software, things you may not realize are running. So EtraCheck does this really long, especially if you get the pay version, uses this very long list of stuff that you might want to check out, including stuff like unsigned, like uh, unsigned applications that you might want to check out. Looking at launch services. Dan, there's so many launch services. Launch services. I, well, launch services, I, I open up Lingen and I add a job or I install this particular thing and it, it causes, it's, it creates my launch, whatever it's called these days, uh, launch services. That, that I got a lot of those. And it will also just give you lots of tips like, hey, you've got more than one virus and malware app on here. And that's probably not a good idea. And it runs through and checks all of those things. But you can get that on the App Store. Um, and it's, it's pretty good. It's not pretty, but it's, uh, it is very useful. I still don't know why I am beachballing in messages, but I, but I will stick with it. Where was the point that this started? Oh, so anyway, so uh, it's, it, it is said by people in this, people who are really big in this, what's wrong with your Mac community, that be careful about App Zapper because it doesn't always get everything, which has not been my experience. So App Zapper, hmm, how do you put this? And what's Sorry, App Zapper, Merlin? But, well, I would tell you about something I like. So, so this is a very old app, but you know, here's the thing. If you've got an app and you don't want that app anymore, but further that maybe is that app causing problems for you and you go, oh, bad app, I'm getting rid of you. So you command delete, goes to the trash, empty the trash, Bob's your uncle, except not. What you did not get when you deleted that app were all the various settings and caches and everything in your library, your, your tilde slash library folder, right? All of the things that, the, 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 not the documents it created, but how do you put it? All the settings are the, still there. The, the preferences, the, the settings, the library files, the additional supportive material. All the material. application support stuff. Right. And that might be the stuff, if that's causing problems for you when the app is not launched, uh, there could be a corrupted file or something in there. And like deleting the app is unlikely to fix that. 
because all the all the bad actors are still there. Right. App Zapper and app and apps like it. I like App Zapper because I like the noise and the flash. You drag an application icon onto App Zapper, and it will show you. Okay, here's the app you just dragged here, and here's all the settings that I have detected, or you know, files, configuration stuff, anything usually like a library. Um, that I found for this, do you want to delete this? You say, hell yeah. You hit it. And it goes, pew! And the screen flashes. Mm -hmm. And it deletes all that stuff. And, make, and it flashes um, the and screen it, in a sort of epileptic seizure-inducing kind of way. Yes, absolutely. But then also cool, because I'm a Hazel user, is then sometimes Hazel will pop up and say, hey, I noticed you just deleted all this stuff. Here's this other stuff I found too. And I think therein lies the problem, is that some people say, be careful because App Zapper don't get everything but I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I deleted it. I get rid of it. I get rid of the, the dynamic DNS and I uh, didn't look back. So my advice to y'all in this thing that I had promised erroneously would be short, uh, check out your DNS settings. Try some different ones and uh, definitely give Cloudflare a try. The other thing I'd like to add when it comes to dynamic DNS stuff, um, what, was, what I think was really nice, I mean, the whole point of dynamic DNS was so that you didn't have to type in an IP address, you could just get to your machine. And, but that was back in the days but when basically, I- basically, if you have, especially most of us have a, a, whether or not it changes often, most of us have what is called a dynamic IP address, which is don't, don't make this your like permanent mailbox. Right. This particular IP address will change, which you won't notice unless you're trying to associate that IP address with a domain name. That's why you get a dynamic DNS service. Right. And so a little monitor uh, my IP address and keep it mapped to this domain name. Right. And a little background information on that is that um, there is a technology called uh, DHCP, which every system administrator and network person in the world knows. It's dynamic host configuration protocol. I will find and put a link to that in the show notes for nerds like me who care about those kinds of things. But basically this started back in the day when, um, so uh, every computer that is connected to a network, not just the internet, but to a network has a, an IP address associated with it. It's a number. And it's 192 like- 192.168.1.101. Right. And there are two sets of IP address ranges that are designed to be used privately in private networks that are not connected to other networks or to the internet. And that would be the 192.168. Uh, block and also the 10.0.0. Mm -hmm. Block, yeah, which yeah. a lot of other people know, also called Net that 10. That feels very East Coast to me. Yeah. And so, two feels more California. I, I can go along with that. So, those are the yeah. two ranges. So, if you were to look at your IP address of your computer right now, it's going to be in most likely in one of those two ranges because that's standard. And that means every single private network out there has its own little range and everyone's on those. And so, that's that's basically what's going on behind the scenes. Well, out on the, the internet, all internet connected devices and computers that are connected directly to the internet provider. So I'm not talking about the IP address of your computer behind your router, behind your cable modem. The cable modem itself has an externally available IP address that is not 192.168 or 10. whatever. It's going to be uh, some yeah. other IP address, just like a server out on the internet. And those are assigned basically by something like DHCP as well. And they're assigned by your internet service provider. Back in the old days, I think part of this was in order to prevent you from hosting stuff on the internet yourself at home over a, you know, hundred dollar a month internet connected account is that they would change these IP addresses frequently. But these days they generally don't nine times out of it's, 10. I mean, it's, it's very rare to be honest, very rare. And th there's a reason for that. First of all, it's less network traffic hmm. to not change them. So there's that. But the second reason is 
they want to monitor what the heck you're doing so that if you have an overage or if you're doing illegal things or if you're downloading torrents or whatever, they want to have Mm -hmm. a history for your IP address. So they actually don't want to change your IP address anymore. Times when it might change would be if you replace the hardware. It will usually change then. If there's an extended outage, there's a possibility that that could be reassigned. But generally speaking, they're trying to marry the IP addresses to the MAC addresses uh, for good nowadays. So that yeah. so still typing something like home.dindns.org is better than 198.72.83.15 because who can remember <laughs> that crap? But That's like the email addresses we used to have our car on our cards in like the mid-90s. Yes, exactly. Uh, Merlin com- at Right, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was like, you know, dbenjamin18 at whatever.ucf.edu. And so... Check out my subnet. <laughs> that's right. And so what, what you wind up with nowadays is a pretty sticky IP address. So what this means is if, you're, if, you, are you, if you have your own custom domain name, which most of us do, if you use a DNS provider that's cool, like you know, you can use the one with your registrar or you, or you could use Cloudflare, which is great. You can just make your own mapping to your own IP, especially if it's just for you. And if it if it does change, you can update it yourself manually. And that's what I've been doing for the longest time. So I have like a home.domain.com yeah, that, that, that gets me to my home machine. And, and you can do that without DNS at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know when that happened, but, I, but I'm with you and I'm, I'm glad it did change, but... Yeah, you know, it's so funny. This is the example of this, of course, that I always give is the notion of the corrupt font, corrupted font. Yeah. I've had a corrupted font somewhere, probably, as far as I know, three times ever. And it is the ultimate example of you always find stuff in the last place you look, which is a dumb thing to say. But it's really the last place you would look. Like, why would you assume that any instability, you know, why, why is your Mac unstable? Well, you didn't terminate your SCSI uh, daisy chain correctly. You, um, you know, you have uh, incompatible extensions or control panels, right? Controls panel. It's like attorneys general. You, you got stuff like that. You've got whatever. You've got something that's broken on here at, at, in the part of the stack that might be a little bit, you know, deeper down than you're comfortable going. But it's so wild. I, I imagine this can still happen. I bet you, I bet it, can, it might cause a kernel panic. But for some reason, if you're running, if you've got a font running that is, that is currently installed and it turns out it is corrupted, you are going to have the wildest random problems. And it's like, that's, that's how I feel with this stuff. And, and like I said to my lady this morning, like, you know, who, who sits around and thinks about their DNS configuration settings that isn't, you know, a typical neckbeard? It's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to know how to solve these things sometimes. Dan, um, yes. I got a little bit more here today, but I would be grateful if you would tell me about one more thing that you like. Oh, I can tell you all about Eero. 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 Speaking of networks, speaking of IP addresses, here we are could with Eero. Be, could not be more relevant than right now. I love, love my Eero. And basically, here's the concept of the Eero. Is, is, is you're going to get some cable modem from from your provider, from your company. That gives you the internet. Comcast modem, it's approximately 14 feet tall. Yeah. It looks like the obelisk in 2001 and is about as fast. 
And well, the, yeah, exactly. You're, they're, oh, they're, we have the built-in Wi-Fi. It's like, mm, uh, okay, cool. The built-in. Configure that. Yes, you can configure with turning on or off. <laughs> but you know what? Configure it by turning it off. The Wi-Fi that's built into the cable modems <laughs> yes. and the routers. What if, they, what, but Dan, but Dan, like, what if what if I want to see if a device has joined my Comcast tower? What do I do? Can I do that? Uh, can, can, can I make assignments about like who should be on this uh, gigahertz range and that gigahertz range? Can I just can I go in and decide exactly what times of day my kid can get to what kinds of services? Can I do that reliably with the obelisk? I think not. No, the answer is no. You can do nothing reliably with Wi-Fi and your your cable modem or your DSL router should do one thing. It should grab the IP address and connect to your Eero, and that's it. Because the Eero yep, is going to be the heart of your network. It is so awesome. And nowadays, think about this. Your house isn't just your home. Like, it's your office. It's your school. It's your movie theater. It's your restaurant. Because of COVID, right? Like, we are doing more than ever. <laughs> it's your world in a box. <laughs> yes. And so now more than ever, you need to have a Wi-Fi network that's fast, that gives you access in every room, that is is fast no matter how many people are doing whatever Zooms and Netflixes and work and whatever is going on. You need solid Wi-Fi in your whole house so that everybody isn't struggling on top of each other. And the Eero is here to do this for you. Now, Eero is now an Amazon company. And what they do is it covers your whole home with fast, reliable Wi-Fi inside and out. So if you currently have rooms where you're you know, you can't be on your patio, you can't be in the bedroom or you can't be in wherever. You're going to eliminate all of those dead spots. You're going to have a consistently strong signal wherever you need it. So you can be on your work call and the kids can be remote learning and someone can be streaming a video all at the same time. You just plug this into your modem and boom, you're good to go. They have a dead simple app that you use on your phone. You can, oh, so what's so cool is you can pause the internet like for dinner. So if you have kids who are like Dan, trying Dan, to you use can pause, it. You can block. I yeah. saw something show up on my network the other day. I didn't know what it was. I looked at the last time it had connected and I said, until I figure this out, I'm going to block it. Yes, you can pause. You can also block. And you say, whatever this thing is, I guess I'll hear about it when it doesn't work. But it might be your, your, your friend's kid with their phone. It'll, it'll try to show you the name of the device. It'll, try, it'll show you like who made the device. This is invaluable. And it's, it's also, their app is so well done. And believe me, I spent some time in that app in the last 12 hours. And it's been the best part of this debacle is, is Eero going, look, hey, buddy, I'm trying as hard as I can, but you got no internet. And when it came back up, it lit up, no longer red. Now it's all green. I went in and I did the built-in speed test and everything was great. I literally endorse Eero. You, there are other fancy high-end ones you can get, but along the lines of what we're talking about here with DNSs, this is right in the sweet spot for you, even if you don't know it. So good. So Eero is spelled E-E-R-O. Go to Eero.com slash back to work. And if you do that, and this is the cool part, you're going to get free next day shipping with your order. It will be there tomorrow. Well, I mean, unless you order, what if you order like Saturday it'll, night? It'll then always what happens? Be, tomorrow's always a day away. So it depends on when you listen to this program. <laughs> That's right. So whatever tomorrow is for you, E-E-R-O, Eero.com slash back to work. Go there, get free next day shipping this is just such a great system. It's a great package. It couldn't be easier to use and manage and run. Go check them out. Thanks very much to Eero for their continued support. That's who I use. I recommend it. Go check it out. Thanks, Eero. Bok, bok. 
I'll tell you a sad story. I, I bought an Eero for my office, which is way more firepower than I needed. And I did that thing, Dan, that I'm famous for, which is I just dove in without... I'm usually so good about this with lots of things, but sometimes I'm just so excited to do something that I jump in and do it before I really thought it through. Mm -hmm. I installed new RAM in my Synology the other night, mm. and I think I did it so hastily, I broke I broke or bent one of the clips. Oh, <laughs> no. Precariously. Why were you in such a I hurry? Got, well, it was nighttime, and I wanted, you know, my Plex. And, but boy, oh, man, seeing that, seeing that RAM usage on the Synology go from at least 40% at all times all the way down to like 5% felt good. Um, but in the case of the Eero, I have the Eero and I too hastily went to set it up and it didn't occur to me that there was going to have to be some, probably some re-entering of stuff on my devices. So it's sitting here, it's still sitting here in the box and I haven't gone back and done it. I'm, I'm covered with shame. I'm still in this ancient airport that Apple abandoned years ago. Mm -hmm. Shame on me, but at home, woof. Blanketed in beautiful, smooth, creamery Wi-Fi. Okay, I had a thing that I over-prepared for. The truth is, having over-prepared to this extent, all I can say is, yeah, basically I'm just going to repeat something from a podcast that you should probably just go listen to anyway. But I, So I'm going to make this not just a recommendation, I'm going to make this a super endorsement. I don't know why this podcast episode landed on me like it did, but... You know, it's like they say in Peter Schaefer's play Equus. Moments snap together like magnets. And I, uh, there's a podcast I listen to called How To with a fellow named Charles Duhigg. That's a, a really good slate podcast where he talks to people about how to do a thing. And um, a couple weeks ago, he brought in Tig Notaro, the comedian. Okay. And uh, as it happens, she also has a new show, an advice show. I think it's called Don't Ask Tig. But she, I think she's very funny. She's super dry and, um, and really hilarious. But so basically, uh, how to, it's a, it's a little bit, you know, it's a classic sort of help show where somebody sends in a problem, they talk to the person, you know, not in some ways like super tech support, you know, on reply all. But anyway, this, this, um, <laughs> this woman uh, writes in to say that she's having problems with her neighbor. So she has a condo in a three unit building. And long story short, one of the people in another one of those units just sounds like a passive aggressive nightmare. This person who leaves notes and is very, <clears throat> is very passive aggressive and says things like, you know, obviously you don't respect our house right. because, uh, you know, and so now you should, if you're going to talk to me, you should only talk to me at the condo meetings. And so just <laughs> to be clear here, the, the problem that this person, from which this person feels so wounded was that they put a fern on the porch. And this other lady got so mad. She's leaving notes. She's doing passive aggressive stuff. And she's basically making this young woman feel terrible. This woman is saved up and like bought, is buying, you know, paying for a condo. And now she has to live next to this person who's really horrible to her. So, um, so I'm just going to mostly say, uh, go and check it out. Check out the, the, uh, the episode. The title of the episode is, so it's Comedian Tignataro, Advice on Dealing with Crazy neighbors. Very, very well hosted by Charles Duhigg. Yes, I enjoyed it. A lot of good. Oh, so you listened to you it. Said, you said to. I do what you say. Well, no, I said no prash. I said no prash. But that's that makes me want to do it more. Oh, yes. Okay, well, let's, <laughs> let's talk about it for a second. Um, so the last bit of context for this. Uh, well, 
two things. There's always two contexts with me. One is uh, Tig Notaro, you know, has been around for a while and pretty famous for a while. But I think the thing that really brought her very broad attention uh, through a lot of especially other comedians who are lucky enough to be at this show is that Tig Notaro uh, one night walked out on stage. Uh, crowd, crowd's clapping, very happy. She's like, hey, how, how's everybody doing tonight? All right, everybody good? I have cancer. <laughs> hey, is everybody having fun tonight? What's everybody good? So most people, uh, comedy nerds know about this gig. But as you'll hear in this podcast, Tignataro went through a pretty bad several months a few years ago. She and her girlfriend broke up. Her mother fell down and died. She got an intestinal disorder that practically killed her. And yes, she was diagnosed with stage two cancer in both breasts. It was just a real, a real rough time for her. And I think it took extraordinary bravery uh, and taste to be able to go out and do that set the way she did. And that ends up getting applied here. Dan, what was your impression of uh, how to confront a crazy neighbor with Tig Notaro? I mean, it was really good. I'd never heard this podcast before. I didn't know who Tig was before, but I, I enjoyed it. And it's funny because like these kinds of things are, are so... Like it really happens where you get two people that are on completely different pages about the same thing that's Playing happening. by different sets of rules. Completely like, different sets of rules. Like there's, like there's one person in this where you're like, oh my God, what is going to make you happy? And what do I have to do to just not feel terrible about this? Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so I thought it was good. I mean, thanks for the pointer. I'm going to okay, have to yeah. subscribe. Yeah, well, I like, so the, there's, I mean, I enjoyed the whole thing, but so Charles Duhigg ends up giving this some structure by, in the advice that they are giving to this young woman, they end up coming up with uh, what Charles Duhigg calls rules. But anyway, just for the sake of argument, we'll call them rules. There's five rules that they go through in, in giving her advice. Um, and these are paraphrased from me just listening to it. Oh, also, by the way, uh, I threw this into Descript. This is what I do a lot now. I threw this into Descript and it gave me a transcript. So it made it very easy to go and search and find out, search for the word rule and go and jump to all the places where that appeared. Mm. Big fan. A first, a first line of defense uh, of the five. Number one, tell them how this makes you feel, right? So let them know there's a human being inside. Pretty straightforward stuff. Love number two, and I'm already applying this, which is to essentially picture your life as a movie. So if you were a character in a, the movie of what you're watching right now, like, what would that character do that would make the audience cheer? It's an odd way to look at it, but I think that's such an interesting back-to-work-ish angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, for I'm sure. I'm going to realign my feeling about this by treating this, and it's not dissimilar from a meditation practice where you can hold an idea and turn it in your hand. In this case, you're saying, like, like this may sound silly to you, but, like, how do I get, how do I, how am I, how can I become Kathy Bates in Fried Green Tomatoes in this moment? I thought that was really good. Number three, uh, you know, pre, uh, you know, if you have done everything you can, you may have to just ignore them. The part where they get number four, the part where they really get to her, that wonderful set she did, is to do something radical. That sometimes you're going to have to really stretch and do something very difficult. Uh, but you know, that might be what you need right now. If if the non-radical way has not helped, there might be something you need to do very differently. And the, I'm almost done. But number five is the one that made me really want to talk about it on the show. And the way that Charles Duhigg framed this was introducing this concept of what's called the locus of control, which according to him, and I have heard of this before, but I'm not a psychologist, but locus of control is an idea that there are people in given situations, but in a given situation, 
um, you might see an external look. The locus of control might be external or it might be internal. I am a very external guy, which is I do, as much as I hate it, tend to be somebody, like most of you probably, who feels like stuff has happened to them. Right. Or something has been, we see this a lot in the current uh, president, where everything becomes about you and your relationship to the bad thing, which has been visited upon you. That is an external locus of control. The internal locus of control is, is, a, is pretty different, but very powerful, which is the idea that like, I can take control of this, right? I'm not going to treat this like something that happened to me. I'm going to, a la the movie tip, I'm going to find a way to frame this in a way, if I'm going to be the lead actor in this particular movie, I'm going to rewrite this script by grabbing the pencil and the paper myself, and I'm going to take care of it. Right. And so the reason I feel like that, there's two reasons I feel like that's really relevant. One is, remember that thing I have often said, I, I like to say, I've decided not to let it bother me. Yeah. I think that's a powerful affirmation. I've decided not to let it bother me. So the deciding is important and the not bothering is important because that is really internalizing that locus of control and saying, I do have agency. I don't have agency over what happens in the world as much as I'd like, maybe. But I do have agency over how I feel about it, how it affects my thinking, my cognition, and my actions, which I think is a very, very powerful concept. The last thing, and I keep wanting to talk about this with either you or Roderick, and I just haven't found quite the right place. As I mentioned before, I love that uh, podcast, Blank Check, and they did a series on Nora Ephron movies. And they reminded me of something that Nora Ephron is famous for saying, mostly in sort of quoting her mother. Um, have you ever heard that phrase, Dan, everything is copy? I'm thinking I have, but I'm getting it confused with everything is, what's the thing where everything is a variant of another thing? Everything is a cop. Yeah. Is that the oh, same thing? remix. Remix. That's it. That's what I'm thinking of. So no, I haven't heard of the copy. So Nora Ephron, um, I think kind of made her bones as a, like a essayist or columnist, very biting uh, kind of um, acidic, but very, very funny uh, pieces for, I want to say, New Yorker. But anyway, she, she did a lot of great writing back in the day. And, and then she got into movies. And I, I, I mean, the, to me, the epitome of what she did, if there's ever a movie to do a deep dive on, it's got to be up there with like Princess Bride, uh, When Harry Met Sally. The episode, oh, and I'll find this for notes, the episode of Blank Check on When Harry Met Sally is so good. There's a, there's, there's a lot of reasons that went into why that movie is good, but one of them was the huge amount of collaboration. It's directed by Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner says, here's this story I want to tell, but I realize I can't be the one to write it. He brings in Nora Ephron, and her writing is so powerful and so important to what became When Harry Met Sally, the greatest romantic comedy of all time, that she, she got a producer credit. But then other things happened. Like, for example, um, you know, uh, the, the woman who says... Um, uh, I'll have what she's having. That's Rob Reiner's mother. That's Carl Reiner's wife. There's all kinds of little collaborations. The way that, you know, Melanie, um, um, not Melanie, what's her name? Um, Meg, Meg Ryan. The way Meg Ryan is able to, like, the notes that she gets from Rob Reiner on how to do the orgasm scene, like, hilariously, like, him acting it out. Huge collaboration. But one of the things they highlighted in that, I believe in that episode of Blank Check, was a quote I'd forgotten about. So, Nora Ephron, this is, reported to be something that, that her mother used to say. This is, this is the famous line that you might see printed on a pillow in a rich person's house. But when you slip on a banana peel, people laugh at you. 
But when you tell people you slipped on a banana peel, it's your left. Right. Right. So that's a pretty powerful idea, which is that I can, through storytelling or reframing, take this from a tragedy to a comedy. And instead of being the goat of the tragedy, I get to be the hero of the comedy. Right. And the phrase that her mother used for this, which I think is very powerful, is the phrase, everything is copy. So basically write everything down. Like, because right now, while you're in the heat of experiencing it, it might be too much for you to do anything useful with because you'll burn your hands and your heart. But keep that around. Everything is copy in the sense of writing. That's all useful. You can, all of the terrible stuff that's happened to you, you can find a way to make something with a lot of it, including comedy. And I just love that idea. I love the idea that me dealing with this, me personally, privately, shamefully dealing with this awful neighbor, I'm dealing with that all by myself. Right. What if I looked at that differently and I said, in the case of Tignataro here, saying like, what if you turn that into a, like a funny bit with your friends in a group text or an Instagram or like something? That's a little on the nose, but I think you take the meaning. Like, how do you take it from I slipped on a banana peel to here's how I slipped on a banana peel? Not to rewrite history, but to make something out of it that makes, it makes you the, uh, the, the author of your destiny. If you take that from just a tip about writing into how can I conduct my life by reframing the, ha the things that are going on around me with this uh, shift to this locus of control where I, I get to be the author of this. I am the one who tells the banana peel stories. So that's a long-winded way of saying, you know, check out this podcast. Yeah, check it out. It's a good one. Tignataro. My, uh, my Mac autocorrected Tignataro's name to a big notary. <laughs> Which, as I say, sounds a little bit like a a regional wrestler who's still working some things. <laughs> you just got notarized. <laughs> as, as Greg from uh, Drafts suggested, maybe part of his bit is that he stamps your forehead. Like the way that Jake, Jake the snake put a snake on you. Do you think it's consensual? Do you think the snake knew that it was about to be placed on a wrestler? Do you think so? I don't think it knew, and I don't think it knew that it was on a wrestler when it was either. Whoa. So it's got levels, you're saying? That's what I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess it'd be kind of weird if it was if, if his nickname was the Snake, and he has one of those names like Donald Duck Dunn, where you only ever hear it read in that way. Nobody ever says Jake Roberts, and nobody ever says the Snake. Right, Jake the Snake. So, like, oh, and example, uh, listener, listener Craig is uh, on Twitter has said there's also a class B range one seventy two dot sixteen dot zero dot zero through one seventy six dot thirty one. No, it's what about IP B, addresses, but. He's chiming in with that. Is that, that the Craig FCP, FCP, Craig? Yeah, of course. Yeah, sure. Well, hey, Craig. Because, you know, if you, you never say duck, you never say Donald Dunn, you don't say Donald Duck Dunn, you always say Jake the Snake Roberts. And then, you know, that changes a little bit. You got Rowdy Roddy Piper, which I think, I think that, that sounds great, just like it. But it used to be you had The Rock. And then you got uh, Rock the Dwayne Johnson, or whatever his name is. And he's, try he's trying to transition into being just a Dwayne Johnson. John, and I, and John Cougar that. Mellencamp. First you had John Cougar. Or first, no, first it was Johnny Cougar. It was? I believe. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it like, I ain't even done with the night. That might've been when he was Johnny Cougar. Johnny Cougar turned to John Cougar. John Cougar said, screw that. I'm an Indiana farm man. I want to change to my real name, which is John Mellencamp, but not so fast. First, you have to be, you, if you're going to transition nominally, hmm, you, um, 
you uh, you now you got to be John Cougar Mellencamp. Now is he full on John Mellencamp now? Yes. Okay. John Diddy Mellencamp. P. Cougar <laughs> Johnny Camp. Lion. Johnny Cake. <laughs> Snoop Lion. Snoop. Snoop Doggy Dog Dog. Mm-hmm. Snoop. Little Snoop, 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 Snoop. Snoopy. Charles Brown. Mm-hmm. Let's button this up. Okay. Okay. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.